Hey everyone, this is Mike Flanagan, and on this episode of the Inside Bowling Show, we welcome bowling legends Bob Learn Jr. and Emiletto Monticelli. On today's show, we talk about the bond between them both, their love for coaching, and take a stroll down memory lane as we reflect on their polarizing careers. This show, if you found it by now, is broadcast live on Facebook and YouTube, and you should head over to those accounts by searching Inside Bowling to watch the program and check our schedule for future episodes. If you're enjoying our show, do us a favor and subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. It would mean a great deal to Matt and I. If you really like what we're doing, you can head over to InsideBowling.com and pick up some merch. You can save 15% with coupon code IBSHOW. Elements from today's show were intended for both video and audio, and we apologize if at some point in the show you can't quite follow along. This is just another great reminder that all of our shows are archived on our YouTube channel. So here's our 30th episode with two legends of the game, Bob Learn Jr. and Amaletto Monticelli. Hey everybody, it's Mike and Matt back with you on the Inside Bowling Show. Episode number 30 here today already, Matt. 30-3-0, Mike. We're well on our way here. We've only got a couple weeks left until we uh, finish out this first 40 episodes. I'm good at math, if you couldn't tell. And uh, man, am I excited for today's episode. Yeah, me too. Uh, I think we're excited for them all, but today's going to be fun because I've known these guys for a while and we've got a plethora of topics to get to. Bob Learn. Junior and Amletto Monticelli on the program today. We've got international flavor, and we've got old, old Bobby, who, in my opinion, has the second best television show ever in PBA history, and we'll get into that a little bit later today. Uh, I will have to duck out a little bit early today, and Matt, you'll be taking us home as you've been doing on Fridays, doing such a great job of that, so thank you for that. Uh, but these guys are heavily involved in, in the coaching business now, uh, not only with their own brand, but also uh, big news coming out this year with Amletto and Bob teaming up at Martin Methodist College. And uh, you being our college expert and resident college reporter, Matt, I'm looking forward to that segment today to really dive into college bowling. Uh, I want to welcome everybody into today's program. And I want to thank everybody that's been writing me, uh, media at InsideBowling.com, about the future of the show. We said we were going to do 40 shows. We're on episode 30. We will come back with something after we're done with this quarantine edition of the Daily grind here so to speak but uh really appreciate it very very much and i want to thank everybody for tuning in recently uh our numbers have been really good and don't forget you can go find us over on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, and on spotify um so it's just been really really good and what a week we've had uh and we've had an up and down week with uh we've had some serious shows we've had some laid back shows and i I couldn't actually i was actually overwhelmed 
Matt, uh, yesterday and even this morning with the folks that listened to the interview with Bill O'Neill yesterday and his son, Gavin, people really like that style of laid back show. Uh, I know sometimes I ask the tough questions. I had a serious interview with Tom Clark and Coley Edison this week as well. But uh, yesterday's show was was magic for, for whatever reason. So we're going to try to incorporate some of the things that we did in yesterday's show with today's show, as we do have a really strong relationship with both Bob and Amleto. Your thoughts on uh, the shows this week, Matt? I think this was a, another great week of shows for us, Mike. Like you said, a combination of serious and having a good time. Um, we always have a good time, but more relaxed, I should say, laid back. And I think that's one of the things that we try to accomplish with the show is give a nice combination of asking the serious, hard questions that most people will probably try to avoid asking or bringing up and also having a good time being back and uh, having some laughs as well. Yeah, and I've had people reach out as well, giving us a lot of compliments about the show, and they wonder why uh, our viewership isn't quite as large as maybe some of the other shows. And some of those shows that are being put out are being put out on personal pages, and we do it on our own uh, business page on Facebook, which obviously doesn't get out as much. So if you do get a chance to share our program or let people know about it, we would certainly appreciate that. Let's get to yesterday's Bowler X poll question. Uh, Matt, if you could bring that up for me. Uh, Thursday's poll question was, who will win the upcoming PBA Strike Derby? And uh, we partnered people up here because of the only four options being available. So you could choose EJ Tackett, Sean Maldonado. Uh, you'd get both players uh, with that selection. Uh, Tommy Jones and Chris Prather, Bill O'Neill and Kyle Troop, and Sean Rash and Anthony Simonson. So EJ Tackett coming in at 5.7% with Maldonado. Uh, I think Maldonado is being completely overlooked and getting no respect here whatsoever. Uh, leading the way, though, O'Neill and Troop narrowly at 35.7% over Jones and Prather at 34.3%, and Simonson and Rash coming in at 24.3%. Looking forward to the PBA Strike Derby live on Fox uh, coming up on June the 6th. Big news this week. Uh, if you're just coming to our program, we talked about it this week and go back and watch past episodes. Matt, what do we have for today's poll question? Today's poll question, like we try to do relating to our guest, is which of the following factors is most important when looking to go bowl in college? The coaching staff of the team, the education or majors offered at the school, the ranking of the team, or the existing players on the team? So you can go on over, find us on Inside Bowling, uh, excuse me, find us at Inside Bowling on Twitter and uh, take part in our little poll that we've got going on here uh, for the day and let us know what you think. Yeah, and it's too bad you didn't put sexy ladies on there because that's what I would have picked, Matt. Well, sexy. see, this is why I make the polls, and this is why you, and you don't. Okay. Or guys for those ladies that would be recruiting. So True. Campus visit, maybe. I could figure that out. So, <laughs> What are the most important aspects to a campus visit? I mentioned that just to keep my uh, just to keep my sexist uh, week going here. Oh boy, here bringing we go. that up. Yeah, here yeah. we go. Everybody was probably starting to forget here, Mike, and you're starting to work your way back into people's hearts. And here you go, back in the hot seat. I just wish people realize I like to have a good time and uh, stir up some controversy. Don't take my words to heart. Uh, I think most people that know me would know that I'm a, I'm a bit of a maniac, and I and I want to be a comedian <laughs> secretly. And one day I'm going to do that set, and you will be there, and you'll be my hype man, Matt. Oh yeah, you know. Um, Man, can I not wait? The people, you know, some people know what your act is going to be, but I know what the act is going to be. And man, can I not wait for the day where you stand on that stage and you say, all right, everybody. That's you right. That was your big question. And, and that's it. Game's over. Yeah. Speaking of comedy um, and getting an outside perspective, I'm efforting on some guests here as we wind down with the last 10 episodes. I've been in contact with uh, 
Barstool Carl. And I believe really? uh, he is going to join the show uh, before episode 40. It probably won't be next week, though. But just letting you know, I'm, I'm, I'm reaching outside a little bit here. I'm reaching outside. Oh, boy, man. I'm shaking in my boots. Reaching yeah. outside. It's a big opportunity. And, yeah. they, and, and uh, Barstool Carl did get that one of those awesome on-the-ball bowling balls from, K- from KR. And mm-hmm. it had the Barstool mm-hmm. logo and it was sharp. He's a big-time bowler. He's all, he's all about it. Sure did. Well, I think... Uh... I think it's time to to introduce our guests here today, and we'll bring them up at the same time. Uh, you know, obviously from Venezuela, uh, first international player uh, to be in the Hall of Fame, as well as uh, pl- uh, Player of the Year. He did it in '89 and '90. Uh, an unbelievably nice guy. To everybody's really liked this guy over the years. He's also had a nice uh, PBA 50 career so far, and he's really kept himself in shape. And he's just one of the nicest guys I've met and, and that's Amleto. We'll have him on. And then also uh, to introduce Bob Learn, uh, the 1996 Erie flagship open was my second favorite telecast of all time. When the man went on an absolute tear that day and he needed three strikes in the 10th frame throughout this show on a very high scoring show and delivered every single time he bowled 300, 270, 280 and 279 for 1129 on television. He ran the step ladder. Uh, the other thing about Bob is he found a passion for coaching and, He's founded a lot of great things in bowling, and because of his efforts, so many more people have become good at bowling and turned on to the sport. So these two guys are are noble Romans, so to speak. These guys are awesome, and let's bring him in now. Let's bring in Amato Monticelli and Bob Learn Jr. Almost got to pinch myself having this much bowling royalty on the show today. Welcome, guys, to the program. But thanks for inviting us in. Thank you for having us in your great show. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we've got a, a plethora of topics to get to, and because I got to jet out a little bit early, I just want to get right into the first one here, which is the PBA League draft, Amleto. Um, I was a little critical of your of your selections, uh, and Big Mike from Sweep the Rack gave you an F grade, and I, I followed it up and agreed with him, um, and I'm just saying it friend to friend right now. Uh, didn't really uh, like your selections uh, overall as the entire team. And I'm going to give you an opportunity right now because I want to know and maybe change my draft grade based off of your response. Uh, what went into your thought process going into being able to draft an entire team from scratch? And why did you pick the players that you did? Well, uh, first of all, when you're going to pick a team, uh, everybody has different philosophy. Uh, what kind of players do you want besides being great players? Uh, for example, the Frank Lavoie, Frank, uh, he's just very good player. He won the, the U.S. Open twice. Uh, he has proven himself that he's really good. A.J. Johnson's been bowling great, uh, watching winning Korea, and I know he's going to explode sooner or later. When I mean What I mean by explode, he's going to win a lot of titles. Uh, and um, and uh, when we talk about... Uh, what shall I call it? What's my Andrew, other guy? Andrew. Oh, Andrew Anderson, player of the year. I mean, great kid, great bowler. He hasn't been bowling as great as he was like during the player of the year, but I, I know he's he's been proving and I know he's going to bowl, bowl well. Then when we come to Richard Tease, um, you know, one of the things that's very important for me as a coach, as a captain or manager of the team is to know who I'm picking as far as like, like a bowler. Uh, when I pick Richard Tease, it's just because I bowled with him many times. I know he's won some tournaments in Europe. Uh, he's 
good with team players. And at the same time, bowling with him, he's a really fighter. He's a grinder. He's really good. He never gives up. Um, and then Ildemaro Ruiz. Ildemaro has been bowling with me for many years uh, with the Venezuelan team. Uh, he's really good team player. I mean, more more inspirational and than him that it does not exist. When you're on the lanes, no matter how bad things can go, this guy is always, you know, pumping up the team. And this is the type of guys that I wanted to have because I know them. Uh, a lot of bowlers out there that I, I could have picked, like, you know, we talked about it before. But to me, it's a lot about the chemistry. To me, it's, it's not only being great players. I want people that are great outside the lanes. And for what I know, these guys, the little that I know, uh, they, they, they do have those things that I wanted to have. And that makes me feel comfortable. That it, I don't think there is a perfect team and there will not be a perfect team. And, and when you're bowling in the PBA league, you know that it's not the whole game they're bowling. They're bowling two frames. Uh, at the same time, the topography of the lanes is, is really bad over there. It's not really that great. And I think guys that, you know, are firm and keep it like uh, online, straighter, I think it's not a bad idea. Okay. I like it. I like it. Um, Amleto, obviously these are the guys that you wanted. And I completely understand that if you were to take guys that maybe on the draft list were higher ranked, but you didn't have a relationship with them, or maybe you did observe bowling with them over the years and there was something you just didn't like about that particular player and it just didn't feel good for your chemistry. I completely understand why you picked the guys that you did. You picked three youthful up-and-coming stars or people that have arrived. I mean, Francois, he's one major away from being Hall of Fame eligible at a very young age, so I completely understand. And it's going to be interesting to see how your team does because here's the thing, Amleto. If you guys win the PBA League, you are going to look like a genius. You know that. Well, I never thought about it, but I know we're going to win. So I guess I'm a genius. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then do you have any idea, the last question about the league, and then I'll let it go, um, is do you know what your lineup could potentially look like? Do you have an idea in your mind, if all the stars aligned, what your lineup would be? Well, uh, if I have to say it right now, uh, Lawa would be you know, my anchor. Uh, starting, uh, it would be Richard. Uh, I would say, uh, actually, no. Actually, I would like Anderson to start up and then uh, AJ Johnson. And uh, it would be Ildemaro, third, fourth, it would be Richard, and uh, Frank Lavoie would be the last guy. Interesting. Interesting lineup there, Amleto. I cannot wait for the PBA League uh, to actually happen and see how everything unfolds. And we wish you the best of luck on that. And thanks for answering my questions and, and not beating me up too bad and exiting the show after hearing the negative comments about, about your draft, but Lucas Wiseman, I'm sure you like Lucas Wiseman more than me right now. Cause he gave you an a plus. <laughs> yes, I do like Luca. <laughs> anyway, I hope your grade goes a little higher after I explain my, you know, why I picked this team. For the record, I'm going to upgrade you right now. Amleto. We're going to jump to full spots. I'm going to give you a C. I'm going to give you a C today. <laughs> Memorial Day weekend. Okay. I'm Leto. Also, don't take it too too much to heart. Mike also is is on the, the train of saying that he sh you should draft a team of five lefties. So I would also take everything that Mike is saying with a grain of salt here. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I would have liked a lefty. I didn't have a chance to pick one that I really wanted. That, 
you know, there were two opportunities that were gone early. Yeah, you wanted to. Yeah, I, I get it. I completely understand. Bob, did, did this PBA league thing, you know, if they expand, would you want to be a, 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 a manager? I would love to be a manager of that. I think it would be uh, uh, a lot of fun and certainly um, a great opportunity to, uh, you know, get work with some of the greatest bowlers uh, currently on tour. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I'm not surprised, Mike, though, that you uh, gave him a C being at his Spanish speaking. I thought that was appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> that really is appropriate. That really is appropriate. Hey, guys, let's let's talk about your relationship a little bit. And I'll talk to Bob first on this one. You two, since I've come into the bowling scene, graduating from running bowling centers to, to being in, in the pro mix, so to speak, working for different companies and that, you two have been attached at the hip all the way back to when I can remember being involved. Tell us a little bit about the relationship between you and Amleto, Bob. Well, um, I met Amleto when he first came out. Uh, Tommy Hudson actually kind of befriended him and was uh, introducing him to a lot of the players. And, uh, of course, uh, uh, right from the get-go, I, I like the guy. I mean, he's obviously a likable person. Um, and to be quite honest, uh, I was a little offended by how some of the people treated him and uh, it, it drew us closer because, uh, you know, you know, the guys, they like to, you know, we do it in fun, you know, just saying what I just said about C and whatnot. But there was a lot of guys that were not as nice about how well he spoke speak, uh, his English and whatnot. And so I took, uh, you know, I, I took offense to that and it drew me closer to him because I felt like, you know, this guy needs somebody to actually be there for him and know that he can trust uh, in somebody. And so that really started uh, our friendship. Um, I was on an off tour in the 80s, and I came back uh, in the early 90s. Um, uh, we, we, like, reconnected. Uh, we had always uh, been friends, but we really connected more in the 90s and ever since. Uh, but we've been friends for 37 years, and, uh, you know, we're both pretty easygoing guys, and we have, uh, we have a lot of fun. We enjoy the same things, um, except for I do enjoy a little bit of butter, and he does not, and uh, maybe a little ice cream. But other than that, we, we, we enjoy the same kind of wine and uh, going to the same kind of restaurants. And, and we've traveled a lot together. We've really gone around the whole world uh, doing clinics and stuff, and uh, we've never had an argument. Never had an argument? <laughs> not that I ever remember. No. Wow, that's amazing. So, yeah. Amleto, no butter or ice cream? Uh, actually, butter, I'm, I'm eating a little more now since I found out it's not that bad for you. Uh, well, I was cream, right all along. Ice cream, uh, I like ice cream. I just don't do it because of the sugar. Um, and, I, you know, I, it's a long story, actually, um, that uh, when I was younger, um, I was very heavy. I don't know if a lot of people knew, but I was 200 pounds and I was only maybe 5'1", five 5'2". Five and uh, one day, you know, I said, I don't want to be fat anymore, just like that. And I went to a nutritionist and I said, you know, these foods like chocolate, milkshakes, hamburgers, they don't exist in my life. They don't exist. I didn't touch them since. I mean, I can tell you, for example, uh, stuff. When I tell people this, really, no, impossible. And I tell them, like, I didn't eat, uh, for example, uh, a donut since 1984, December 1984. I just found out how addicting is sugar because I couldn't eat one. I had to eat two or three. And I said, you know, this is, 
I'm losing control of me. You know, I said, this is not possible. I said, I'm not eating anymore. And that's how I did things. And, and I started more getting into the, into healthy, you know, healthy stuff, being, you know, in good shape. And, and if I am an athlete, I have to treat myself as an athlete. And I have to, uh, let's say, the image that I have to uh, show people that it, you are an athlete. You are a professional bowler. You have to show that you're an athlete. And I, I, honestly, my personal opinion, I wish a lot of people did that because I think maybe, I don't know, I'm not sure, our sport being in a different pedestal than, than we are. Yeah, that's awesome. And your workout regimen is unbelievable. I mean, everybody wishes they could look like you or Ron Moore from the PVA 50 tour. So that's that's awesome. I had no idea you were 200 pounds. And some of our comments coming in, they couldn't even imagine you looking 200 pounds. So good for you, man. Uh, I wish I could just one day wake up and go, I don't want to be fat. So I'll just uh, just draw the line and just not eat sugar anymore. That's uh well, that's the difference between a, a podcast host and a two-time PBA Player of the Year, you know? Oh, <laughs> oh nice. Yeah. I'm feeling myself that, today. I'm that was a low that. blow, right? That's how you that say was, it, low that, blow. Yeah, low blow, yeah. That was, uh, that was, but for everybody watching, Mike's always like, hey, Matt, whenever we banter and we give it to each other back and forth, that's when the show's at its best. So I'm finding my voice here, episode number 30. I'm finding my groove, and uh, and I, I'm, I'm going to throw some shots from here on out. I like it. I like it a lot. You know, I, I love that part of the show. Um, Bob, let's talk about coaching and your passion for coaching and, and kind of the things that you've done over the years. Get our audience up to speed on, on your passion for coaching. Uh, well, it really started back in the early 90s when I signed with AMF. Um, I got to travel a lot for AMF uh, as an international uh, company. They really expressed the need then uh, for us to go out and do a lot of exhibitions and clinics. Uh, and I got to do a lot with uh, the great Dick Weber uh, over uh, that a decade uh, while I was there. And uh, I really just enjoyed being able to share uh, knowledge and to see people smile when you gave them a piece of information that they, they, that they know will help them and make them better players. And uh, I just, became addicted to that, honestly. So since the early 90s, I've been doing clinics consistently. When I was on tour, if we had two days off, I, I would put uh, clinics uh, in between those events if I wasn't flying home to, to be home with my family. So um, it was always a passion. And it, once I left the tour, it was a natural direction to go for me. Uh, I just wanted to see how involved I could get. was fortunate enough to get in with USBC coaching uh, had a little hand of being assistant coach at USBC uh, for Team USA, and uh, and then moved on from there and got to be part of a training center uh, in Michigan. Got to uh, create some pretty cool uh, programs while I was there, uh, including the Turbo Tech Collegiate Expo, uh, which is uh, just a great opportunity for high schoolers to get involved at a college level, uh, and so. The next progression from that, of course, is getting involved in college myself, and that's where I'm at now. Yeah, you've been with Mark here from, uh, according to my notes here, 2017. It seems like just yesterday you got involved with Martin Methodist. Tell us a little bit about the program and what you've been doing over there, uh, and then uh, how Amleto became part of, uh, of the program. Well, um, when I started looking for uh, locations, um, 
it just so happened that I had been at the NAIA uh, National Banquet and I spoke there uh, just four or five years prior. And I was talking to the coach that at that uh, time was coaching the program. And I asked him what he was doing in Tennessee. And he explained that, you know, he had this college uh, program going and he felt that it was a perfect setting uh, to grow a very um, successful program because the school supported uh, the program very well. And lo and behold, I'm looking around and, and that job came up on the NCAA website. So I, uh, I reached out and uh, I was fortunate enough to land a position. And so then I came in 19, uh, I'm sorry, came in 2017 and um, I had maybe 20 kids to work with. And I was fortunate really to have some pretty good talent there waiting for me and something I could build off of. And, you know, even in our first year, we started seeing success. Um, and then we grew once we had an opportunity to start recruiting players. And this year being my third year of recruiting, I really got what I feel is a, just a solid uh, team for both the men and women and, Emletto is going to be coming in as my uh, women's coach. So he's, I'm telling you, Emletto, I got you set up. You got some great players. And the dynamic of the team has changed over those years. Work ethic has certainly improved. And uh, we've got some, some kids that are just great kids. And uh, I'm really excited about a, an opportunity to take these kids as far as I can in four years. That's a unique opportunity in itself. We do clinics. It's a one-day event. Um even if I was working at the train center, I'd have people come in periodically. But to be able to have three to four days a week with these kids over a four-year span, you have such a great opportunity to have an impact. And it's not just the coaching. Uh, it turns into as much mentoring for many of the students. And that's, I think, maybe the hidden uh, side of it that I enjoy uh, just as much is being able to get to know these kids and help them along their journey and uh, you know the coaching actually is the easiest part to it there's a lot more that goes on behind it uh, but I enjoy every bit of it and I'm looking forward to having Emiletto uh, come in my wife's been a great support so far and she's done so much to help me build this program my dog objects right now uh, <laughs> what I'm saying but uh, I would I would say let's cut the Emiletto while I take care of her all right, cool. Yeah, and Leto, what are you most excited uh, for when it comes to helping out with the college team and coming into a program that's growing over the past couple of years? Well, um, first of all, I've been, you know, coaching together with Bob for a long time. Uh, of course, he's got uh, more experience than I have. Um, fortunately, a lot of my knowledge, uh, actually, Bob, uh, see that we see things the same way. I think one of the most important thing is the passion. And I couldn't agree more with Bob when he says the passion and, and what we feel and the, the satisfaction that you feel when you're helping someone and you see the improvement uh, as they go. Uh, there is no greater satisfaction. And mentoring them, uh, we actually, we don't even look at time. You know, it doesn't matter how long, if it's three hours, four hours, we're not looking. We just want to help, help, help. And, and the key is to have the passion for it. And when you have that, I think is the uh, passion and, and humbleness. Uh, I think those two, they work pretty good together. And I'm really excited to go there. I've been working with him a little bit with the, with the people in college. 
uh, I actually last year we, I went to a few tournaments with him uh, to help him out. And so I know a lot of them, some of them are already gone. And uh, so I already got what, you know, I expect what, I, what it's going to be like. So I'm, I'm looking forward. That's great. Yeah. And, and I want to take a look back here um, and most and talk to you, Bob. This, these are the team rankings just on the men's side from 2017, 2018. So that was your first year there, right? Yes. So if we look at the rankings here, you guys, the men's team at the end of the year was ranked 37. Then if we go to 2018-2019, uh, two seasons ago, the men's team was ranked 28th. Um, and then if we go to this past year, unfortunately, the season wasn't able to finish, but you guys are ranked 11th. So you guys are making some pretty substantial moves up the rankings every single year. What has been most important to the team uh, when it comes to improving as a unit and making those strides in terms of ranking? Well, team dynamic, like I, I spoke of, is so important. Um, you know, a lot of uh, kids that grew up in uh, high school programs and, and junior leagues, you know, there wasn't, um, wasn't really uh, the structure, you know, uh, needed that uh, for a successful program in college. Uh, instilled in them, you know, so you ask some players and they're willing to do anything for you. They have uh, the disciplines. If they've played other sports, it really helps because they've been required to do certain things that uh, in a lot of cases, uh, bowlers, if they had only been a bowler, hadn't uh, had to deal with. So when you ask those players that are used to that, uh, you tend to get more out of them. Uh, so there was a little bit of a struggle, not to say that I don't have bowlers that have only been bowlers their whole life not fit into that category, but it certainly is an advantage. The second advantage is the, the greater the athlete, the easier they are to work with. And so uh, as I've been building, uh, we've been building that side of it and looking at, uh, you know, a lot of things. It's not just, hey, can you throw a bowling ball? There's a lot more that goes into that uh, to be able to, to, to build the right set of, of players and I've been very fortunate in getting uh, some really, really under the radar players uh, coming in and someone that I can build on so easily and bring them to the level that, you know, we've been able to achieve. We got the, the men's team up to fourth this year uh, in rankings and only because the Hoosier was just a struggle for us. We fell back down to 11th, but we were up to fourth. So, you know, we've made great advances in a short period of time and, the last couple of years, I had a part-time coach working for me in the women's side, and both of them couldn't handle the, the juggling of their regular job along with the travel and, uh, and necessary time on the lanes with the kids, and both had to bow out early, end of October, the first uh, coach, and then the second uh, coach this year, Mike Seeley. I don't know if you know Mike, um, but a good player, really, uh, really had great intentions, first week of uh, November, he decided it's, it's just too much. I can't, I want to do more, but I can't do it. And I know I can't be there. So I'm going to bow out. So what that meant was myself and my wife had to take on 44 kids by ourselves. That's a lot. And to be able to have the impact that you want to have. So it's been a struggle uh, to getting a full-time coach on the women's side. My wife is a, a JV coach for the men's. 
Um, and Amleto now coming in as a full-time, I, I can be assured that, you know, we have someone who's going to be there for the whole season. Uh, another good set of eyes that can be there every day for practices, uh, things that we weren't able to achieve in, a, in the years past. So I'm really looking forward to this season. I think we're going to do some great things. Yeah, and that's, yeah, that's amazing. Great. And I think that this shows um, how much of a difference that some more structure and coaching can bring. And I think that that's one of the things that bowling lacks is sufficient coaching for all of the youth that's out there. So for two bright minds like uh, like the two of you to be able to stay there together and coach a big group of people, um, you guys are going to have a tremendous impact. And I want to throw this now to Amleto. Amleto, moving to Tennessee, that's a big move. Um, and, you know, this is a big change for you. What is that like? And how did Bob... Uh, besides his good looks and his ability to bowl, uh, gets you to move on over to Tennessee and team up with him? Well, uh, yes, it is a, a big difference uh, moving from Miami to Tennessee. Luckily, you know, uh, what I see in Tennessee, I like. Uh, the other thing that I, the only thing I don't really like is the weather. It's not like here, uh, but at least it doesn't snow. So that's a good thing. I'm, I'm not really good with snow. Uh, but at the same time, uh, together, um, I think we are, I feel that we have the perfect package for different reasons. The experience that we have is different in somehow, in, in a way. Um, me coming from another country uh, and, and what I have that I can share in the experience in, for example, in, uh, in the physical part, you know, how to, how to be in shape and the most important muscle to be in shape in order to perform well. Because the people don't understand that being in physical shape, it doesn't just necessarily help you physical, it helps you mentally. Mentally, you feel ready. Mentally, you know that uh, you start feeling more of your body when it's not doing the right things and you know why it's not doing it. And the difference when you're not doing it, you don't know who to complain to. Now you, you start knowing yourself a little more. Uh, at the same time, the mental part of it, uh, for me and, and coming from another country, one of the things that I actually worked the hardest was my mental part. Because coming from another country, the culture, being away from your family, trying to uh, fix your, you know, things on your own, not knowing the language really, really well, even though I went, I took a, like a crash uh, course. For yeah, English. but tell them where you took your English class. Uh, Harrisburg, Mississippi. Now that's where you want to learn English. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh my gosh. And so when, when the mental part comes uh, is now you have to be really, really strong to overcome all those obstacles besides all what I already mentioned, then being on the lane and trying to, to beat everybody. So I think uh, my work there was really good. And this is something I want to share with the kids because this is the most important thing it doesn't matter how much talent do you have you know on the lanes i don't care how you throw the ball but if you're weak mentally you cannot you know you know show your your talent and this is uh, why i feel that we have the perfect package you know not only that we we see uh, things the same on the lanes as far as we're gonna fix and try to help them out physically but at the same time you know share with bob you know the part of the physical fitness and uh, and the mental, you know, uh, health and strength that you need to have. Yeah. And when you're physically fatigued, you you become mentally fatigued. So it, it does fit. And you know, we have added, uh, you know, some 
some workout routines for these kids, but he's going to come in and be able to grow on that. So that's going to be really, really a positive for our program. Yeah, I have, I have a couple things I want to touch on and uh, one one more question, um, and then I'm going to throw it back to Mike here. But Amleto, you said it doesn't really snow a lot in Tennessee. You know what that means, right? You just put the jinx on the entire state of oh, Tennessee, no, no. and they're going to get the most snow that they've ever had in the history of Tennessee. Erase. Erased. It's already erased. <laughs> well, hey, by the way, out. it's 86 today, and, and, and it doesn't get below 87 the rest of the week. So I'm not sure how far off we are from Miami. We just don't have palm trees. <laughs> I think <laughs> we we're the same. Some. Right now, we are the same. We can. <laughs> you guys can plant some uh, some palm trees outside the university or maybe outside the bowl. Uh, I've got one more question for you, Bob. You've been there for a couple of years now, and you said before how important recruiting is for your university. Uh, what exactly do you look for in players? I know you guys have talked about that. It's not really all that important that you throw it amazing. You guys have the coaching knowledge to take them there and to improve their physical technique. But what other um, maybe immeasurables do you guys look at when, when bringing players into your program? Well, I mean, you have to look at grades, right? So I want somebody that's going to be able to stay. You know, you, you get some great players that uh, maybe haven't done as well academically. And if you bring those uh, kids in there, you know, there's quite a risk uh in doing so because you've now allocated funding for these players and uh, if they struggle in school they're just going to go away and and so you know you could have possibly uh sought out someone else that has staying power right uh and and the other part of that is uh some in most cases those kids aren't dumb they just don't dedicate themselves to the to the work it takes to have better grades and so if they don't have that quality when it comes to uh, keeping their grades up how can you expect them to give them 110% uh, at all times, uh, which is necessary on both sides, grades and, and time on the lanes? It's a lot of work for these kids because they give up a lot a lot of their day. For us, uh, we're about a half-hour drive to the Bowling Center where, where we're at. We're not, uh, we don't have a center on campus. And so we have our practices are about two and a half hours. And so then the, to come up and then go back, they're giving up three and a half hours of their day. So they've really mm -hmm. got to be able to juggle that time and, and make sure that they're not, you know, getting, we, I mean, we really watch the first semester, especially, you know, because that's where they fall through the cracks. Uh, after that, they seem to be able to, to handle the schedule, but it's a lot on them. And uh, so it takes a certain quality of person uh, necessary to be able to handle that. And so I look for that. You have the conversations with them. You kind of get a feel for, uh, you know, what's important to them. I do want them, obviously, to be those bowlers that, you know, you have to basically chase off the lanes, right? Not like, hey, five o'clock, are we done? You know, you yeah, want them. Right. You want them to want to just keep going at it, but at the same time, you want to have everything uh, to where they understand, you know, what's important. Uh, the, the college thing is super important nowadays to have a. A college degree is so important going into the workforce. Myself, Amleto, uh, we did not go to college. I had a scholarship to New York City School of Art, but I also had a gentleman from Buffalo, New York, that wanted to put me out on tour when I was young, and I took that opportunity because I didn't know if I'd ever have it again. Well, fast forward to 2004 when I'm looking, you know, to to find something outside of the industry, it was pretty easy. Uh, to find out that not having a, a college degree uh, greatly limited my opportunities. And so not that I didn't already want to work in bowling, but that certainly made that the, the direction to go because I have 
you know, a PhD in bowling, right? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I can, I can work in, in this industry for sure. Yeah. And now, Mike, you've got to dip out a little bit. Mike's going to be on the USBC show um, later today with some absolute legends. And I know that there's some some uh, important things that you want to talk about, Mike. So why don't you come off the top ropes here um, and maybe talk about one of your favorite telecasts of all time. Yeah. So, you know, with the college thing real quick, guys, I cannot wait to watch this program progress with the two of you there. I mean, you guys are the dynamic duo. I'm really looking forward to seeing how how that all plays out. And I wish you guys nothing but the best. And I know you're going to do well. I mean, it's pretty much going to be a slam dunk with you two. So and I'm let moving to Tennessee. That's going to be that's going to be fun to keep up with your social media. You out in a parka with a snowblower out in the driveway. I, I want that first picture. We're going to make a meme out of that. Uh, but anyway, guys, it's going to be unbelievable. I'm looking forward to that very, very much. And now because of collegiate bowling, you're making a huge impact in the sport, but it's kind of behind the scenes. A lot of people don't necessarily say, oh, man, uh, let's talk about how great of a job these coaches are doing, even though there's so many great bowlers that are coaches. So I want to take a trip down memory lane here. I mean, you guys are two of my idols. I mean, when it comes to bowling and, and being a 40-year-old person, when when I was in high school and I was really in love with bowling and bowling all the time and I had that passion and that drive and was looking to go to college and all those sorts of things that people you were just describing, Bob, it was you guys on TV every Saturday. I mean, you guys, oh my gosh. And when you guys made the shows, I was stoked. You know, no offense, but if, if it was Friday night and, and I saw that it was going to be five lefties on the show, even though everybody says I love lefties, I was like, oh man, I don't know about this show. But when you guys made the show, man, I got amped up. Like, I mean, I really look forward to getting home from Saturday morning league and, and watch you guys bowl on television. And my favorite telecast of all time is Norm Duke versus Brian Goble uh, in Peoria, Illinois at Landmark Lanes. But my second favorite telecast of all time is you, Bob Learn Jr. And it's a 1996 uh, flagship open in Erie, Pennsylvania at the Erie Civic Center. And I was just in Erie with Shady. And I got to see the town and what a huge event it was for all the folks in Erie back in the day. So I believe Matt has this. Uh, we can bring it up here, Bob, before before we uh, let's let's play a shot. Let's just play a shot here, Matt. I'm not sure where you have this queued up, but let's just show everybody at home what this man was doing on this day. I mean, he was just packing the pocket all day long. Yeah, this is uh, queued up to the end of the first game at this moment. Uh, Bob's got, I believe, the front 10 here. Trip that four, baby. Real good break, Chris. Yes, he did. I hit. Got them all. And he was going nuts on this show. Bananas. I love it. This is what Bowling needs. Number five seed on the show. Had to run the ladder. Front 11 strikes here. You can hear. I mean, I know I just turned the volume down, but you can hear. The crowd. I mean, Bob, do you know how many people exactly were in there at that time? Uh, I believe it was 4,500. Jeez. So uh, it was quite loud, but there was so much energy in that building. And certainly being you know, my hometown and knowing most of those people by name, uh, having that energy behind me uh, is what drove me uh, you know, to, to have a day like that. You know, what's really hard to believe is when we were practicing, myself and Randy Peterson being the only right-handers on that show, the left lane uh, was not good for us. We, we kept washing out on it. We're like, there's this big hang spot on this left lane. 
And Randy, just prior uh, to me starting the show, said, hey, man, you know, at least you got here. At least you're in front of your hometown crowd. You know, make the best of it. And I said, yeah, man, I'd like to leash you 220 here because it's <laughs> that lane, you know. And so, um, and, and so when I had the first four, I'm thinking, okay, got my 220. And I wasn't really even, – even as the show went on, I never thought, you know, like as well as what, what you should – should do is I didn't think past the next frame, right? Uh, I didn't look forward, and I was never thinking that this was a record-setting day. I was just trying to get the next shot off and make it the best I could. Uh, and then, of course, having that energy pushing you through, there was no nerves that whole day. I was calm the entire time. I was just living out a dream. You know, as a kid, I would practice striking out an attempt for the Erie Open, which didn't exist. But it was something that I would finish my practice sessions with, you know. Can I get the double to win? Can I get the you know strike out and attempt to win? It'd be something that you just played over and over uh, in your as your practice routine. Here I was living that day out, uh, and it felt so familiar to me because I had, I had gone through it in my mind so many times. And lot to lot to be said about the mental game, right? How we prepare for performance. Absolutely. We're trying to get this to load up right now, um, and while we wait on that to load up. Um, you went on, for anybody that doesn't know, you went on to not only just break the three-game record on television, but to absolutely destroy it. Were you just like in another world, just like unconscious, just throwing, not even thinking? Did you have to move it all throughout the show? Did you just stay in the same spot the whole time? How, what was the experience like? Well, I, my first three matches were against left-handers. So I was playing off of my own transition. And that's a unique opportunity in itself. Uh, and you know, in that day and age, uh, we had balls that did not transition as much as today's bowling balls, but there was transition. I would say throughout the, uh, the entire show, my moves, uh, on the left lane were six boards, uh, seven boards maybe. And on the right lane, uh, another, uh, couple, uh, than that, cause there was more friction on that lane. Um, so there was transition. I was fortunate enough, as you can see in the show, if you watch it, that I was tripping four pins on those shots that I needed to move on. Now, if I was born with another right-hander, those could have been big fours and game over. So it was just a unique setting. Gave me a great opportunity uh, to play off my own transition, which is something you find, very, you know, it's very rare. Um, and, and honestly, one of the reasons why I believe it will stand the test of time because today's two-handers and high-rev players, I mean, they just change the lane so quickly that it's hard to get four games, uh, you know, where you're going to be able to stay lined up and caring to be able to establish a good entry angle uh, for that long. It's just, it's just not something that happens. Yeah, I mean, this is just an incredible day. I, I love watching the show. It just brings a smile to my face every time I go back and watch it. And it's almost like all your counterparts were hugging you after every match. And we're just, it was like it was your day. And I saw Palumbi and Hoskins down there in the front row. Uh, we had a question here in the chat even about where is Palumbi. And it's a guy I've been thinking about wanting to have on the show. Just just an amazing day. And then, then you go on to Bull Parker. And, and Parker is peeling this danger zone off the two board and it's making this check mark boomerang down lane and parker was bowling so good at the time and you, you take him down you got to strike out in the 10th frame and shoot 280 to beat his 279 i believe it was and then and then the championship match randy peterson leaves a plaque 10 on the left lane 
and you go up and you, and you win the whole thing and you go on you go on to shoot 300 270 280 279 for 1129 i think matt's got parker no, no, i just oh. messed it up oh, okay all right well he'll get here it we but, go, here uh, we, go. we were watching this last night matt and i and I, it's just so amazing to relive this uh this moment of, of this match but look at parker bones ball reaction look at this <laughs> Yeah, that, and that was the ball reaction that Randy said, well, it, it's probably not going to work out for us because we saw that ball reaction on the left, you know, and we're like, there's no way. We got this hang spot on this left lane. And what happened was three shots prior to the end of practice, I grabbed a different uh, RPM because uh, Dale Warren actually was my ball rep at that time. And he had, he had laid out six RPM swirls for me for that show. And this one saw the spot. It, it picked up uh, off the spot, and, and I didn't feel like I had hang in those final two shots I threw on that lane, so I went with it. Well, after the 300, uh, we had a big uh, break because, you know, the, they gave the the $100,000 check and all that other stuff was going on, and a little interview, and then we had to start back up. And I went flat 10, strike flat 10, and we went to break. And my wife, uh, you know, it was great to have my family there. In fact, that picture of me hugging them when I came off of the 300, when you walk up into my uh, upstairs and look in my trophy room, I have a big blown up poster because the most meaningful moment of my life is that embrace with my family and in that in that setting. And uh, that's as soon as you go up, that's what you're going to see when you walk in. Um, so that was, you know. That was such a cool uh, opportunity too to have them with me. But she spoke to me and she goes, "Okay, I know you. I know you're excited. You just shot 300 and 100,000 dollars. I mean, this is incredible. But you want to win." I said, "Yeah, I, yeah, I know." She goes, "Well, think about this before you throw your next shot." So I went back into my bags and I picked out the ball that was a little cleaner, that didn't burn up as much, and I finished the day with it. So I struck out that game with a different ball. And then I went on uh, to finish the day with that ball. So took a gamble, but she kind of woke me up out of my trance, out of my, you know, being in the zone and said, hey, wait, you know, is this, are you, it's been clearly here, you know, I know you're all cut up in the moment, but let's win this. And so she really kind of helped me make the right decision. Yeah, she's been an awesome <laughs> arm for you. And also uh, just one final question before I get out of here. Do you still have the ball? I do. In fact, I've never thrown it since. You know, I, I, I'll i be honest. At the end of the day, I grabbed one because AMF wanted to grab one. And I had, you know, a few other people that were, and I, I grabbed two of them. I kept two of those. And I knew it was the two that I threw, but I was uncertain of which one because uh, I never threw either of them again. Yeah. So I still have the one, whichever one that is. Uh, I was, I just never wanted to throw it again. I'm like, Okay, so you average 282.5 for four games, and you're going to go out there and throw a shot and get a five count? No, I'm not going to do that. This ball is forever going to be the ball, and it's the only one I've held on to other than the one I won the U.S. Open with. Well, that's awesome. Back out of here. Thank you for your time. Matt's going to take you home. All the best, guys. You know I love you, and uh, we'll see you down the road. Mike, thanks, thanks for having Mike. us. Thank you for having us. 
All right, fellas. Well, uh, this is the set, the portion of the show that I say every week. Uh, it's my actual, my favorite. It's the time where we br burn the show to the ground here because now we've gotten rid of Mike and there's no restrictions or anything and we can actually have some fun <laughs> here. So, I'm Leto, I, I want to throw it to you um, and I want to hear a little bit about what it was like to win back-to-back -back player of the years um, on the PBA tour. And, um, and then, you know, I want to get into something else a little bit more personal that you're currently doing right now. But tell us about what it's like um, to have that honor to win PBA Player of the Year twice um, and to overcome all the obstacles that you had to overcome. I wish I can tell you in a few minutes all, you know, what it's like. Uh, when, you, when you become a professional bowler, you know, the first thing is to feel confident uh, that you're going to you know, cash and then make the top 24, make a show and eventually win. Uh, my winning didn't come that easy. You know, I made 13 TV shows before I won, uh, finished seven times second. Uh, a lot of things happened, you know, during the show that it wasn't the same for me. Uh, the lanes weren't the same and, and, I need, and I needed to adapt. Finally, when I won in Japan, I feel like, okay, now I, I feel like I can win. You know, I can beat these guys. But then I said, you know, it's only 32 guys. I need to win in the United States. And then uh, in the Showboat Invitational, you know, Mark Rod was my idol at all time. I mean, I used to watch his VHS tapes that the people that live in Miami brought it to Venezuela. And I used to watch that the whole time and watch him, try to learn from him. Remember, uh, and I don't know if a lot, anybody knows, but I, I pretty much, uh, I was self-taught. You know, I, I got my dad helping me out in the beginning in the beginning of the, uh, let's say, when I started bowling. And then pretty much I was, you know, just being creative with my style, trying to watch Mark Roth and do different things. And that's how I learned. So bowling against him for my first title was like uh, amazing. That was one of the, my dreams. Uh, and, uh, and then when I came player of the year, this is something that you don't plan for. Uh, this is something that, uh, I learned from the beginning, like we talked about before, that the mental part was the most important thing. And I learned to separate uh, two things. I, ego, desire, and just, you know, and just let yourself flow. Uh, when you eliminate those two things, then you don't have no anxiety. You have no nothing to really to, to make you... Uh, you know, unstable emotionally. And then the other thing I learned was to not to be too analytical. If I throw a shot and, uh, and I leave something, the big four, no judgment whatsoever, just come back and pick up two. So I started learning to do that. When I started doing that and I was more efficiently doing it week after week, that's all of a sudden here I am receiving the phone call from the PBA saying I was named player of the year. So by then, I understood what it was all about. It's not about the talent. I mean, I have the talent that God gave me, and I work very hard for it, and as Bob did and most of us did. But at the same time, what can bring you to the different level, the, the most amazing level, is the mental part. And that's what I really, really work hard for, and, and that's how I have it. Yeah, that's amazing, and that's an that's an incredible story. And before we before I let you guys go, I'm Lada, You're you're currently in the process of writing a book, and just about your life, and not necessarily so much about bowling, but all the 
trials and tribulations and obstacles that you had to overcome um, coming from where your family lives and where you grew up and coming to the United States and learning English. Talk a little bit about that experience of having to overcome so many obstacles and why you wanted to write this book um, and how you plan to go about finishing out this book to leave behind um, another part of your legacy. Uh, well, the, the book idea is being for a long time in, in my mind because a lot of people have told me, people that are close to me that know my life uh, and what I had to go through in order to, to achieve my dream. Uh, and, the, and finally, I made the decision in, during this quarantine to do something good for the, to have as, my, as a legacy uh, when I leave. Uh, and it's really a unique story about, you know, how I had to overcome so many things, um, things that you don't even, nobody knows. And, and to, you know, to tell you, uh, this book is not for specifically for bowlers, but I know that a lot of bowlers are going to appreciate this. A lot of kids are going to appreciate this uh, because it's more about inspirational and motivational uh, story that... Uh, it is amazing when you're going to read it and I know that you're going to read it and you're going to see, oh my God, you know, and, and this is what it's all about. I want to, I want to give the opportunity um, to people to know about myself and at the same time, knowing that their dreams, uh, you know, they can come true, but you need some, uh, like a little puzzle that you need to have to build it up in order to achieve your dream. But th it is possible and uh, and I know it's possible. Any dream that you wanna that you that you have in your mind, you can do it. Yeah, and I think that that's amazing. Um, you know, they always they always say that success leaves clues, and for someone like yourself to be willing to put that all into a book and to show the world what it takes to be successful, and then to take that a step further for you two to team up to be willing to show the younger generations, what it takes to be successful, because a lot of times people can be successful. They just don't necessarily understand what it takes for you guys to be able um, to do that and to be willing to spend all of your time to help others. I think it's just absolutely amazing. And I'm Leto, you know, you're going to sell at least one book because I'm absolutely going to buy one and I'll be the first to read it and to congratulate you once that's completed. So I want to thank you guys so much uh, for coming on the show today. I know you guys are busy um, and I, I absolutely We'll um, make sure with Mike that in the future, when we do some more episodes, we get you guys back on again. So thank you guys very much. Thank you, thank you Matthew. I appreciate it. Thanks. Take care, guys. Thank you. Well, folks, there we have it. Um, an incredible show with two absolute legends and uh, more importantly, just two amazing guys, two great, um, two great people. I, I'm just so honored to be able to sit here and to talk to these gentlemen today, and um, I hope that they continue staying safe during the rest of their quarantine. Um, Monday, another big show coming up. We've got the one and only Pete Weber uh, coming on the Inside Bowling Show. How we make this happen, I'm not sure, but I'm not. I, I really don't know if Mike's gonna be able to make it through without fainting. Uh, you know, we had um, Chris Barnes and Stu Williams and a bunch of other guests making fun of how in love. Mike is with Pete Weber. So to get him on the show is really exciting for him. Uh, make sure you guys go ahead and tune on in over on the USBC Facebook page. They will be having their live show um, with a couple of legends. So if you're willing, uh, wanting, wanting to know who it is, who uh, to find out who it is, go ahead on over to their USBC Facebook page um, and listen to a nice Q&A 
with Chad Murphy, Mike, um, and a bunch of other really uh, amazing people in the bowling industry. PDW Monday. Hope you guys have a great Memorial Day weekend. Stay safe. I know places are opening up, but make sure you guys follow all the proper precautions and you do what you have to do to stay safe. And we will catch you guys all on Monday. Have a great weekend. Thank you.